party people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, where the gaming table is always set for two. I am your host as always, Jeff Stormer. This week, I am joined once again by friend of the show Erica Chapel for a playtest of her new game, Flying Circus. Flying Circus is a Powered by the Apocalypse game of historical air combat. Specifically, it aims to emulate the terrifying and thrilling experience of World War I-era dogfights, piloting these new, experimental, barely functioning aircraft as you duke it out in the skies for supremacy. Set in a post-apocalyptic, industrial revolution setting, it involves adventurers hopping behind the flight sticks of these scavenged and salvaged aircraft, taking to the skies and conquering mystery in a pursuit of glory and adventure. Flying Circus is cool as hell, y'all. It takes the Powered by the Apocalypse engine and, and adds a number of, like, tactical, crunchy, mechanical bits to it to make this experience that is really unique and fascinating and interesting, and I cannot wait for you to hear the episode, and I cannot wait for you to back the game on Kickstarter when it drops on Kickstarter this month. I think it's an awesome game that is well worth your time and money. You can learn more about Flying Circus, as well as get a link to the Kickstarter when it drops in the show notes. Before we dive in, the usual disclaimer regarding playtest supplies, there might be changes between what you're hearing on the episode and what actually makes it into the final game. The game is still in progress. Keep that in mind as you're listening. And with all that out of the way, let's throw it over to me in the past so he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, my guest once again is Erica Chapel. Erica, thank you so much for coming back on Party of One. Thank you for having me. So, uh, as we are playing another one of your fantastic games, um, why don't you take a moment and introduce it, give us the concept, and also tell us, uh, tell our listeners where they may soon be able to get it. All right, cool. So, we're going to be playing a game that I wrote today called Flying Circus, which is a kind of powered by the apocalypse game about flying biplanes and other similar early aircraft. But it's it's pretty weird. Uh, because it's actually a really crunchy game for a Powered by the Apocalypse game. It's got a lot of detailing put in to ha- uh, like make the air combat realistic and dynamic and make you factor in all the things that you have to worry about in a real early airplane. Like it disintegrating at any moment. Um, and it's also a f- sort of fantasy game w- about a sort of early 20th century post-apocalypse in a world of magic and machinery. So um, it's got some cool, like alternate universe type themes and uh, a lot of bizarreness and pulpy nonsense on top of the, like almost painfully realistic aircraft mechanics. Uh, that's a hell, it's a hell of a pitch. You, I'm, I'm, I could not be more on board if I tried. I love, I love power by the apocalypse games. I love, the added crunch. I'm really excited. I'm pumped. And um, uh, I believe this game is soon to be on Kickstarter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, a couple days after this episode drops, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for, it's going to be running throughout March. Uh, and the goal is to get a really nice print run of this book and justify the absurd amount of time I've spent reading aircraft manuals and painstakingly modeling 3D airplanes. Isn't that isn't that the goal of all of our projects is to, to, to justify the absurd amount of time that we've spent yeah diving into them? Isn't that really the goal of all of this? Pretty much, yeah. So, I mean, I, uh, I learned a lot. <laughs> so really, isn't that the real reward? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Okay, so let's uh, 
I think we should get rolling. Yeah, I'm ready to dive in. Yeah, you should uh, tell me about your character. Uh, so, my character's name is... So, my character's name is Oscar Castagnoli. Oscar is a young man, freckled face, soft gaze, lanky body. Uh, I picture, I, I'm, this, I'm picturing... Not Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, per se, but one of those characters from another Hanna-Barbera cartoon that's just Shaggy. Yes. Okay, yeah. Scra- like, scraggly little goatee thing. Yeah, that, like, for sure. Like four hairs. Yeah. For sure. Like, definitely, they just took the Shaggy model and moved it into another cartoon. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah. Um, Oscar was a farmer... He grew up on a farm. He grew up on, like, an okra farm or, like, a wheat, a grain farm that wasn't, like, picturesque. It was kind of dirty and grimy. And he kind of always had his eye to the horizon. More specifically, he kind of always... Uh, he would look out at the horizon and he would hear, like, the cheers of throngs of people as he, has, as he saves the day. He always kind of wanted to be some form of a war hero. Ever since his Aunt Georgina who was uh, a ground sniper, which is unusual given how much of combat is sort of based in the plane. Ever since she kind of fought off some invading bandits with her uh, signature precision rifle, which is a big honking gun. A gun much like the precision rifle, or rather exactly like it because he stole it when he ran away. Uh, Exactly the gun that is mounted on his plane. He, uh, he basically strong-armed one of her old war, her old war buddies to train him in how to fly a plane. And he kind of set off and has said, like he said, he said goodbye to his family who said, yeah, okay, we'll see you in six months when your plane crashes and when you kind of like get ahead on your shoulders. And he's off to be a hero. So we're going to pick up with, um, with Oscar in the kind of, semi-town of Augsburg. So Augsburg used to be a real, like, proper industrial town. But it suffered very badly during the Great War, about 30 years ago. So a lot of it caught fire, a lot of it burnt down, uh, and most of the people left. But after the war ended, and sort of brought with it the end of nations and civilization as we know it, people started moving back in because, hey, there was some brick houses you just had to put a new roof on. You know, there was materials to use and everyone knew where it was. So it's become kind of a trading post. So picture sort of a uh, an early 20th century town that's been sort of fallout-id. Um, mm-hmm. There's, you know, these these lovely brick houses missing their roofs that have had, like, tarps or sheet metal put in their place. And tents and and shacks and stuff erected everywhere else. The narrow city streets are occupied by way too many people going about their day, trying to make it, you know, day-to-day in this, this post-apocalypse. And there we find Oscar walking opposite the crowd, looking for work. So it's been... A couple months now. You left sometime in the spring, and it's summer now. It's blazingly hot, mm-hmm. um, and you are running out of money. You you've been trying to avoid taking sketchy jobs, so that hasn't really done great for your your pocketbook. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, The money in this universe is the old trade currency from like four centuries ago in in universe. So it's these huge honking gold coins. And you are down to your last three. And that's a lot of money for like a regular person. But you have to fuel your airplane. So right. That's not that's not adventurer money. That's regular person money. And I am no regular person. Exactly. You are you are a person with a with a rotary engine in an airplane that drinks castor oil. So you, you've, you've got to do something or you're going to be grounded. So uh, what are you looking for in this city? Where are you looking for work? Uh, I think I am. I'm walking the streets. I think I'm looking specifically for. Um, hmm. Where does Oscar? I think I'm looking for uh, for veteran for like veterans bars, like almost a. Uh, the fantasy equivalent of an American Legion hall, a cool. place where a place where the old warbirds kind of hang out, because I figure if anybody is swapping stories about like something dangerous, that's where I'll hear about it. Cool. Yeah. So there's you. Uh, it doesn't take you long to find a bar that its sign uh, outside is all the old rondelles of the armies of the Great War that have like sort of cut together. Um, which is incidentally the the four card suites. So you um you go oh you know that's probably a military bar that's probably where those people are going to be hanging out. Um, veterans tend to be pretty rich in this setting compared to everybody else because they got home and they sold their planes. So um and or they became bandits for the first little mm-hmm. bit and stole a bunch of shit and you're not really sure which is which necessarily. So you step into this bar and it is um. It's dark, dingy. There's not a lot of people in it. Nobody really, like, you You have the feeling that there's only regulars here and that a new person stepping in is very unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, the, the big steel or iron steins or whatever. Uh, there's, you know, casks of beer against the back wall. There's low conversation and people in the ragged remains of old uniforms reliving war stories. Above the bar is a propeller mounted there as well as all along the walls or are canvas from old aircraft that has been cut loose and turned into decorations in a multitude of colors. So who are you going to talk to? What are you going to do? Uh, I think I saddle up to the bar. I, uh, I slam one of, or I, I, I think I slap. I, I, hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, kind of, uh, march around a little bit like you know do a little bit of a strut puff my chest a little bit like lean in a little too close to some of the uh some of the old guys sharing war stories like kind of just like awkwardly try to fit into this like fit into this uh insider atmosphere yeah before i like slide up to the bar and you know just wait for the bartender to either notice me either either give me a drink or kick me out yeah so the bartender the bartender comes out and she's a like a short dark-skinned woman who has two like both her arms below the 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 elbows are replaced with like sort of copper and almost clockwork but not quite uh prosthetics Mm -hmm. and uh they they tinker and and make weird sounds as she moves. You see that there's little keys in the the bottom of each one that are slowly rotating. Um, as she, you know, 
pours you a, uh, a stein of the only drink in the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, post-apocalypse hasn't been great for microbreweries. Um, and slides it across the table without even really looking at you. And I, I take a, I take a long drink of it and kind of like spit in my stool a little bit. Oh God! Yeah. Okay. And then this... like come back around and like look around and try to say to the bartender, but also to anybody else listening, <sighs> booze, work, and conversation—the three great things. Granted, I've only got two, but who knows? Maybe I'll find the third today. The bartender just like face palms behind you and like grabs you by the shoulder and turns you back around in the stool on the little the rotating bit and just you know you're new to this aren't you i don't know what you're t- what gave it away oh everything the way you dress the the complete lack of awareness of your situation the I mean, I can list the things you're doing right. Okay. That sounds great. You have decent boots. (laughs) I knew these were good boots to buy. So, um, have you ever flown a combat mission before? I don't think I have. Cool. So, what I want you to do here is... Uh, you're going to make your first move. You're gonna okay. go. You're gonna make the looking for work move, and okay. what you're you say to the bartender to see if you get this job is um, gonna be dependent on that. Sure. So the way that this works is you're not actually rolling one of your stats. You're rolling one of the town stats. Uh, you're rolling how rich the town is, and this is a trading town, so it's plus two. Like okay. this town is actually doing pretty well. They have bars. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're doing okay. So uh, roll two d ten plus two. All right, two d ten. This is a d ten based power by the apocalypse game 10. because I hate tradition. That is a twenty two. Okay, you obliterated it. So what do you say that immediately like inspires new confidence and gets this person to go? Eh, maybe I can hire you for something. I, I think I. She lays out all of the things I'm doing wrong, and I kind of, uh, without missing a beat, I, like, lean in, and I'm like, wow, thank you, that's, thank you, uh, nobody's ever laid it out for me like that before. Yeah, and you're gonna need a leather jacket. Like, that's just piloting 101. Like, you you need something to put your insignia on. It's your advertisement. You are your advertisement for your business here. That makes so much sense. I can't, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Thank you. Thank you. What is your, what is your name? Uh, her name is Katrina. My name is Katrina. Katrina, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to run me through. Uh, I, I appreciate it. It means a lot. Well, you know, it's, it's not often you get a pilot who's, humble enough to actually take advice even one who has no idea what they're doing actually especially one that has no idea what they're doing so i I mean that's that's kind of why i'm here i i i want to 
I want to know what I'm doing, and then I want to do it. And so I figured this was the place to go to figure all that out, you know? I've, I've been at this a little while, a few months, but I still don't feel like I'm up there, you know? And I just, that's, that's where I want to be. That's, that makes perfect sense, given everything I've observed. You do look like you have flown before, at least. And she kind of indicates around your face, like under your eyes, where every pilot has the very stark line between where their goggles are and where their bare skin is, where the oil just gets baked in. Mm -hmm. And she goes, so you have your own plane, right? Oh, 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 yeah. I've, I've got the dancer in the skies. I've got, oh, she's a beauty. Is it armed? Oh, yeah. It's, it's got a, uh, it's got a machine gun and a, and a, it's got a light precision rifle. It's got my aunt's light precision rifle. Oh, oh, it's, it's a, it's a beauty of a gun. All right. So I think I might actually have work for you. There's a flying circus outfit that's looking for contractors and I can pass you along if you'd like. That would, Katrina, that would mean so much. That is, oh my, that is more than I expected. So she uh, takes a, a little, like, she tears a corner off of a, a sheet of paper and draws you a little map to follow through the city streets and goes, there's a piloting club here and the outfits hanging out, they're called Checkmate. Uh, you'll be able to identify them right away by their checker mark jackets. See? See? You're, you, you, are, you are right when you're right, Katrina. Um, so they're looking for... Uh, a couple of pilots to go up, I think, for a scouting mission of some kind. I don't know very many details. Uh, Checkmate's a little bit of a rough outfit, but they always pay. So, you know, just stay on top of that and try not to look too intimidated by them uh, so they won't eat you alive. I, th- I think I can do that. Thank, thank you. And, and I, take out, uh, I take out one of the coins, one of my three coins, and I put it on the table, and I'm like... Would you, would you buy a round for everybody and don't tell them it's for me and make sure you get a drink yourself? She, she looks down at like most towns use their own currency because these are trade coins. Like this is a year's wage for some like people. And she's like, yeah, I think I can do that. She grabs it and like quickly stuffs it away. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, just don't. You don't tell them it's for me, because I don't want to seem like that. Like I'm trying to buy things. I just, you know, these are war heroes, and and you have been really nice. All right, I'm gonna go talk to Checkmate. Thank you, thank you so much. And I am like saying all of this as I'm waving and kind of like half walking backwards yeah, out of this club, reflecting a little. Yeah, I know the. It's very funny with your your lanky character. Yep. All right, so, so you, yeah, I head straight to checkmate. Cool. So the path takes you from the the narrow avenues. Cars aren't really a thing in this universe, so um, it takes you from the relatively narrow avenues to the even narrower side alleys. Uh, it's pr- like almost immediately darker and danker here. It's this isn't a great spot, uh, and you the this this bar or piloting club that you you've been invited to directed to rather nobody invited you um is this just little like literally a hole in the wall as it, with which is to say there is a bomb hole punched through a brick wall 
and on the other side is sort of a temporary bar. And sitting around inside are pilots, not old pilots, not veterans like in the other bar, but modern pilots. They're young, mostly in their late teens, early 20s. They've got their jackets with their insignias on them. They're drinking like crazy. It's the middle of the afternoon, and they are blitzed. Um, and it's it's a complete disaster. And there's people kind of gathered around, some of them like trying to sell things, some of them just trying to get their attention. Because when a pilot shows up in town, they're the richest person in town, usually. Mm-hmm. So that is the environment that you sort of find yourself walking into. Uh, you quickly spot across the other side a, a of the, the thing the bar fuck um uh using a like knocked over piano as a table uh are the people with the the members of checkmate they've got big checker mark uh um like insignias on the back of their jackets they have pawns and rooks and knights sort of scattered around as patches there's about half a dozen of them so i adjust my newly purchased leather jacket Yep. As I'm like, I kind of like grab, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm like making sure it's pristine and I like kind of walk over and I'm a little more comfortable because I think I walk in and I see that this is a disaster and I go, oh, this isn't so bad. I can live with this. Yeah. So this is, this is like great Gatsby levels of excess being executed with great depression levels of stuff. So it's, it's pretty impressive to behold. Um, so as you, as you stride towards the table, they take a look at you, they take a look at your, at your stride and your, your newly purchased leather jacket, and they pull up a bit of rubble for you to sit on. Perfect. And I like settle in and I kind of put my elbows on the table and I'm just like, Hey, hi, hi. Uh, uh, name is Oscar. Um, I am looking for work and I've heard tell that you've got work to give. So, um, the the sort of the oldest member of the group, he's this man with a, like, very sharply trimmed blonde beard. Uh, he's still got his, his goggles, like, perched up on his forehead. And he's got, like, you know, leather jackets often have, like, the fur collars or whatever to, mm-hmm. to keep you warm. His is made of feathers that are enormous and, like, poking up everywhere. And uh, he goes, so... I assume you're here about the, the, the job. We, you know, we've been putting out feelers just for the most competent of pilots. So I'm glad you found us. I am exactly the sort of gullible sap that you need to run whatever, whatever ill-advised job you're looking to run. I am happy to take it on. All I ask is that we be honest about it. He laughs so hard. He thinks you're joking. Like, and he thinks it's the funniest fucking joke he's ever heard. Everybody's losing it when they slap the table because it's an old piano. It makes a horrible sound. Um, and he goes, my name's Wendell. Uh, I lead this branch of Checkmate. We're actually a pretty big organization. We may have been kicked out of the main circus for, you know, politics. So can I perhaps uh, buy you a drink? I would love that. So he slides this this awful, awful crap in front of you and starts telling you about the job. So he goes, basically, you know, there's not as many of us as we would like, but we're still trying to do missions that Checkmate would do. 
you know, try to get the good faith back with the main group, try to get back in. Um, that's a little bit of a problem when there's six of you. So what we're trying to do is grab a couple of contractors to make sure that the jobs we're taking are something we can handle. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Strength in numbers, the more the merrier. Exactly. So we uh, we got recently contracted to escort a whole bunch of airships through this northern passage through the mountains. The only problem is airships have been disappearing there a little bit too frequently for, you know, regular pirate activity or anything like that. Because, you know, pirates take ransoms. Bandits leave the plane there, the the air, the the balloon there. So, you know, that's a little unnerving. And we don't want to go in there guns blazing unless we know exactly what's happening to all these planes. Six planes going in in a formation, maybe nothing makes it out. Two or three planes go in, maybe they make it out and tell us what's going on. So that's kind of the idea. We got a couple other people to be your wingmen. And we just want you to go up there. You got to fight a plane. You you know, just go up there. Try not to die. Tell us what's happening to these balloons. Fly in. Try not to die. Tell you what happened. Seems like, uh, seems pretty easy. Seems, seems right up my alley. Cool. So I'm going to roll a dice. All a right. digital dice because I don't know how my D10's on me. All right. Let me uh, roll. Uh, I think this is 3D10. So he he says, we can offer you 16 for the job, which I know was a little low considering you're about to get shot at and all. But, you know, business, you're taking a little bit out of our cut. So if you want to negotiate, you can totally negotiate. If you want to take it, you can take it. Um, I think I'm I think I'm going to take it. I think I think. I think he says it's a little low, and I, I have to, like, bite my nut a little bit, because I he says 16, and I almost immediately go, great! No, hmm? Yeah. I, 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 can work, the, I can work with 16. I love the idea that the only change needed is for you to buy a jacket, and they immediately <laughs> think that you're a veteran at this. <laughs> All right. Cool. It's, it's good to see that somebody's willing to, you know, make compromises. So, uh, we launch it down tomorrow. Good luck. Try not to die. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. That's not a lot of things. We do, we, we're, we're pretty bad people. <laughs> they yeah. laugh again. All right, cool. Get out of here. So, uh, is there anything you would like to do before morning rolls around? Um, I think I get, like, a room... You know, I, I find I find a room at an inn or something, so somewhere I can crash. This is an important question. Do you spend one to live okay, or do you spend two to live extravagantly? Uh, I'm gonna spend one to live okay. Cool. So yeah, you get you you're sharing a a a room in what counts as a hotel in this this bombed out place. So you've got a mat next to three or four other people. And I think I kind of settle in, and I uh, I think I, I get the room. I kind of walk around a little bit. I walk back past the uh, the veterans thing, and 
I think Katrina is like outside having a smoke and I kind of walk by and show off the jacket a little bit from afar and she kind of rolls her eyes and yeah. smiles a little bit. Um, so yeah, you, 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 you show off the jacket, you, you take a stroll through the streets as it starts to get towards the evening, the streets start emptying pretty quick. Everybody starts finding their way inside. Um, and you start hearing the buzzing of engines as planes come back from evening patrols. And you can see them passing over the streets real low as, you know, they uh, basically taunt the town. And you're like, I wonder why everyone's getting out of the streets. These planes are amazing. And then one of them dumps something. You think it might be like an oil pan or something out onto the streets all over your new leather jacket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ruins it. So uh, that I think we pick up the next morning. With you lying in between four or five other people snoring, staring up at the ceiling, just like, you know, a little bit, a lot anxious for the, the mm-hmm. morning ahead. So, yeah, I wake up and I've got a letter on my chest. I'm sitting there anxious. I have a letter just addressed to Carl and it's got like a little bit. Of, it's got like a little bit like of a heart next to Carl. Ah, And I'm just kind of holding it and I... I find my way to whatever, like, mail delivery service I can find, and I, you, like, hand them the letter. You pay your last coin to a... Because yeah. there's a lot of shipping going between places, because no town can survive on their own in the post-apocalypse. Everybody's trading with everybody. Mm-hmm. So there's always room somewhere for some mail to arrive somewhere. It'll take a while. There's no formal post service anymore, but it's doable. Uh, and I hand it to him, and I'm like, just please make sure that he gets this. It's important. And the uh, the the pilot nods and, you know, stashes it on the the, the instrument panel of their three-engined um, uh, cargo plane just as it starts taking off, loaded down with the, all the weird stuff that this place produces. I have no idea what that is. You're supposed to work out exports for a town, but I didn't even bother. <laughs> and so, and then from there, I just head straight to, I head straight to the, the landing strips. Cool. Or the airfields. So the airfield is just a grassy field because these are early planes and they don't have really specialized uh, takeoff and landing uh, situations. So there are dozens of planes lined out here. Uh, from all sorts of different outfits. They're all bright colors. They're Some of them have streamers attached to them. They're all sorts of different shapes and sizes and configurations. You pass by a seaplane that is resting gently on the, the, the dew grass with this huge engine mounted in a pod atop of it. Uh, you pass by a group of little fighters that have four and five wings each, uh, which just doesn't make any sense to you. You pass by one that its engines start and its propeller whirls, but it makes almost no noise and you have no idea how that's doing. And you come to your airplane. Tell me about your airplane. Uh, the Dancer in the Sky is a molded wood uh, biplane. So it's got two wings. It is molded wood. It is painted sort of purpley, mauve uh, And it's got almost... Um, it's painted like it's somebody. It's painted like it's an amateur trying to paint Van Gogh's Starry Night, like with the little starbursts. 
Um, that's and it's awesome. got kind of that, and it's got some silver, tr- like some silver painted trim, and some of this has peeled off. A fair amount of it has peeled off, but like, and so like it, it at least in theory looks nice. It's just kind of also a little beat up. Yeah, um, the there's a little bit of an unusual configuration for the a- aircraft. Can you sort of go into that for the uh, yeah, listener? or do you want me to? Because yeah, a weird... if you want to, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah, your your plane is a little bit unusual. It doesn't look like airplanes that most people would recognize in the modern day because it is a Farman style pusher aircraft plane, which means you sit in a little seat up front, and right behind you is the engine, uh, in between the two wings, and then built in sort of a like a, a series of struts or kind of like a kite is the structure that holds the tail behind the propeller. So it's it's a really delicate and strange looking machine that doesn't have a lot of body to it, but it flies just fine. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is light. It is quick. It is a little fragile, but it is, um, it is, it lives up to its name. It dances, you know, you get it up in those, you get it up in the clouds and <sighs> it makes magic. So it's also because it's so light, you haven't fueled it up yet. So you're able to just sort of, because the weight is all in the middle, you're able to pick up the nose of it and roll it along the ground. And you do that for a little while, and then it gets a little too heavy. So you you hire a couple of ground crew real quick with some of your local cash, and you pull it over to the rally point for the other airplanes. And you see the other airplanes you'll be going up in the air with. One of them is a little monoplane, just one little wing running down the middle of it. It's a very recognizable plane to you. Um, there's like... A, thousands of these uh, it's called the c10 mm-hmm. it's got one little machine gun and the the person piloting it is this woman in sort she's kind of older than most pilots which is just to say she's in her late 20s um and she's she's very small like appropriately small for the the plane she's like you know four nine she's tiny um and the other plane is this just ridiculous looking uh, biplane that has closed wings. So the wings are actually like a continuous loop. Uh, and it looks like it's got a metal framework to it. It's a really solid looking plane. Uh, it's got this huge engine on the front of it with big fan belts running and everything. And they're all sort of clustered together and, and you pull your plane up and you see that uh, one of the members of Checkmate you didn't know, you don't know who it is but she she runs over and goes so is everybody ready to start flying? I um, I hop I, I stand I stand at attention for about half a second and then see that no one else is standing at attention and kind of like take on a posture that is too casual. <laughs> awesome! You lean against the airplane and the airplane rotates because it's so light. Yep, like starts sliding <laughs> away. <laughs> And then I kind of like stay, like readjust and then kind of like sink into the mud a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, okay. it's, it's awful. Okay, so you, uh, this this way over enthusiastic woman, sort of, you know, I'm sure you'll all do great up there. The main thing to remember is if you die, we're not paying you. Uh, we need the information on who's shooting. And just to, you know, rule out anything you might be thinking, no, we won't pay you the other people's salary if they die and you make it away, you know, so don't get any bright ideas up there. We all know that trick. And everybody kind of grumbles. 
All right. And I, I just look, I'm, I go pale and I look to the side like, is that a, okay. Oh, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a thing that happens? Um, so uh, she hands each of you a uh, sort of a crudely made copy of a very nice military map. Like you can tell that this was traced and she's like, mm-hmm. all right, so just follow the river and then take a left and, you know, gives you the whole instructions. Um, and everybody goes to mount up and she waves and walks away. Are you ready to get flying? I am ready to get flying. Yeah. So just real quick, let's describe to the, the players, your ridiculous digital version of the physical dashboard. That is totally a selling point for this Kickstarter. Oh, it's very, it's very cool. It's got everything. It's one of the things I really like about this game is the sheer, the, 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 the dashboard is a thing that I specifically thoroughly enjoy about this. It's got my, it's got trackers for my airspeed and my, uh, my lift or rather my height. It's got, uh, notes for all my stats on my fuel and things. And it's got splots for all of my weapons and add-ons that I can put onto the side of the dashboard. Yep. Um, so the, the way that this game is typically played is by, uh, like, there's a lot of resource management to this game. So the dashboard makes it really easy by just putting some tokens down on some dials and moving them around as you need to. Uh, so you never have to count anything. And anything you do have to count, like fuel and ammunition, you just use tokens. So you, you never have to do any complex math during the playing of the game. Uh, you do have to do some complex math during the uh, creation of airplanes if you want to do that, but that's completely optional. There's a lot of pre-made airplanes. Okay, so let's uh, let's start your engines. So All right. this begins the the ground the um, pre-flight check portion of our game. The game takes place in phases: pre-flight check, air combat, ground evasion, uh, pleasure, and then business. Um, because pilots do things backwards. Um, <laughs> so the first thing you, that you're going to want to do here usually is you're going to want to check your stress levels, but you have no mm-hmm. stress because you've never flown a mission before. So the second thing you're going to do is you're going to roll to start your plane up. So right. you see that three in the middle of the gauge on your rotary engine? Yes. That's your engine's unreliability. This is not a very reliable engine. So you're going to be making a reliability check. You roll the 3d10. Mm-hmm. And if any of them are a one, your engine starts breaking before you get in the air. All right. Welcome to early aircraft. <laughs> that is a five, a three, and a ten. Nice. We're good. Yep. So the engine starts with a throaty roar. Uh, the whole plane jerks to the side in your in your seat as the engine starts because the it being a rotary engine, the whole engine spins along with the propeller, and that's a huge amount of weight in your plane. So everything just jumps to one side every time you rev it and you start taxiing to take off. So you don't have to spend any fuel. You can get to whatever altitude and airspeed that you desire within your, your limits. So let's enter combat or not combat. Let's enter flight by rolling a navigation check to get where you're going. And I'll set you to some simple. You're going to be at um, 800 and your thrust is, Hey, what was your plane's thrust? My plane's thrust was seven, seven. Cool. I got to have a place to write that down on this fucking sheet. I I've removed it and forgot to put it back. 
So we're going to go up to, you're at your maximum speed right now. Uh, you can go above your maximum speed when it becomes relevant, but it's not right now. Uh, so let's roll navigate in the new air combat rules, because this is a thousand different parts. Please cut the part out where it's broken. <laughs> uh, okay, so air combat, air piloting maneuvers, uh, navigate. There we go. So roll me plus calm. Okay. 2d10 plus 2d10 minus 1. Okay. Uh, that is a 3, 4, 3. Not great. Yeah, you roll. Oh, okay. That's that's bad. Okay, so you, you take the lead in the formation, and you're trying your best to follow the map, but it doesn't make any sense at all. You look at the river, and you look at the map, and they don't seem to match up whatsoever. Uh, you, you, you know, you fly as best you can against it, and then you realize something might be a little bit wrong, and you tap your... Uh, your compass and the compass comes loose and spins and you realize oh i've been reading this map sideways that that would not help my cause so um you readjust your course but you start coming in towards the mountain pass it takes about an hour to get there Mm -hmm. uh you start coming in on the mountain pass close to the mountain you're basically turning into the mountain uh the other pilots are flying in close formation to you and they keep glancing over like they think something's wrong with your plane or you so that's charming. Great. Uh, so let's just real quick, starting off, uh, while you're in formation with people, you can communicate with them using hand signals. You can say pretty much anything you want with hand signals because pilots have a large hand signal vocabulary. Sure. The way we play at the table is you have to come up with uh, hand signals to relate new concepts to other players. Okay. So you will actually develop uh, a sort of sign language for airplanes. Um, and you can tell what your campaign is about by what signs you come up with. So yeah, you, uh, you, you have some people sort of looking at you nervously as you enter the, the valley. Um, so in between, or this mountain pass rather. So the mountains are enormous. They're Everest-esque. Um, because everything is enormous in this universe. The valley, the, the pass is a valley that cuts deep in with this big river going through. The geography is greatly exaggerated. Um, and as you enter, you start seeing signs of the pl- the balloons that have been lost going through here. A patch of burnt canvas uh, hanging in a tree as you pass over uh, over it. You know, the, the skeleton of an, a rigid airship sort of lying uh, in the ground. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's putting you a little bit on edge. So what do you do as you fly through the, the, the pass? Um, I take note of the remains and I gesture... I sort of give it a, uh, I, okay, I, I know what it is. I, I pull two, I, I sort of pull my fingers in front of my face, like with one hand, and I sort of like gesture over my eyes as though I was pulling my eyes shut to symbolize like dead. Oh, yeah. Or like dead things. So I'm like closing the eyes to symbolize like those things are dead. Yeah. And like, that's cool. That has like a sign of respect element to it too that I really like. And then I kind of I kind of point downward to, to let the other to let everyone know to signal that to everyone else that like we're where we need to be you know cool. like we're where we need to be the things that are no, are no longer here like this is like get ready get ready for whatever is coming next and like cool. I um I real showily my I think what it is is I open my hands as wide as they can go and like grab my grab like the rotor. 
or not the rotor but the, the <laughs> that controls. would be a little dangerous yeah i grab uh i guess the not a joystick it's the flight stick the flight stick. I grab the flight stick. I open my palms wide, grab the flight stick, and hold it with both hands, and that is the symbol for basically, like, be ready for shit. Yeah, so you start seeing the other pilots, like, glancing around, looking up, looking towards the sun. Uh, one of them places, like, holds a hand up between them and the sun with something in their hand to look directly into it. So, um, do you want to take a look around? It's a really good idea in Flying Circus, because you can yeah, yeah, lose yeah. track yeah. of things real fast. Okay, yeah. so roll... Eyeball, this is plus keen. All right. That's uh, also minus one. Uh, okay. That is, uh, that is a seven. All six. right. A six. So you are rolling awfully today. Yes. So uh, I think that the first sign you have, you start imitating the other people. You start looking around and you look directly into the sun, uh, which isn't smart. No, that's a bad idea. Yeah, so you look up, ow, fuck, and you, 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 you know, blink the, the, the brightness out of your eyes. And as you sort of come back, you see the first sign of incoming aircraft. Um, and they are basically on top of you by the time you spot them. Uh, and the other aircraft around you are already starting to sort of move to break. The aircraft that are approaching are three biplanes of some variety they are sort of a golden or brassy color they look like they have metal plated exteriors they are identical and uh they don't seem to be trailing any exhaust behind them so what do you do they're about i don't know about a kilometer away they're closing real fast um i am going to uh glance over at the other planes to see if they're still holding formation or if they're entering into like combat formation. Cool. Yeah. They're, um, I think because this is a hard move and because you are being a little indecisive, that's okay. Your first time up. Uh, one of them breaks out of formation and starts diving away. And the other one is like, kind of glancing at you nervously. Like what the hell do we do? Like what, what are we doing? And I, um, I tap, I, I take two fingers and I kind of, uh, I kiss the two fingers and I tap in front of me where like the, the, the sort of back of one of the guns is to symbolize like, let's, all right, combat formation. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. Let's go in. Okay, cool. So the odds, the odds of the, the odds of, of this being a chance encounter between planes in this balloon graveyard are slim. So yeah, I kiss I kiss my fingers, I tap the gun to basically be like, it's time to go to work. Okay, so it sounds like you want to go in and like use these guns pretty quick, huh? Yeah. Alright, so uh, if uh, the the other plane the plane that banked off is the closed wing one. It's 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 banking up and away. Um, and the other the other plane goes tight in your formation and the, the incoming unknown planes are approaching pretty quickly. So your options here are basically, do you break to try to avoid incoming fire or you just go head on with one of them? Um, I think I am going to, I think I am going to uh, break to avoid oncoming fire first. Cool. So let's roll an evade. And I, I sim, I sig, I signal that to the other, uh, now that I know there are hand signals, I'm going hard on hand signals. And yeah. I signal that 
I signal that to the other plane, like, break and regroup, like, break, break, remain calm and regroup by uh, taking one hand and dusting off my right shoulder. Yeah. You know, okay, cool. shake, shake the dust off my shoulder to basically yeah. be like, we're breaking. This is not, this is, you know, basically letting them know that this is not like a retreat. This is just evasion. Like, yeah, cool. we got this. So uh, how do you evade the, the craft coming at you? I think I, I think I follow the lead of the close of the closed wing and like bank, did he bank up? Yeah, he, he, yeah. he went into a climbing turn. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna follow the lead of the closed wing, make, take the climbing turn, and try to possibly come up behind them. Cool. So here is where we start getting into the awesomeness of how the moves work in this game, and why I chose to use Power by the Apocalypse to make this incredibly crunchy game. All right. In your air combat moves, which I showed you that file, the there's maneuvers and there's moves. And you actually combine the two of them together when it's appropriate. So what you're going to be doing here is you're going to be rolling evade, but you're also going to be making a steady climb. Okay. So um, that lets you uh, basically ascend quite a bit. Uh, being Actually, no, this is a zoom climb because you're in combat. So basically, you're going to trade speed for altitude by how much you want to climb uh, while you roll 2d10 plus keen and handle. Cool. I believe your plane has like a ridiculous handling bonus. It so does. you should have no has, trouble with this. It has a very good handling bonus. My plane has handling of hold on. It has handling of plus six. The plus my keen is plus eight. Roll one more dice as well for your formation mate. Alright. Pick the two highest. And tell me if the one you discard is a one. Uh it is not a one, it is a three, and I got a fourteen plus eight, which is twenty two. Plus eight, holy Christ! Um, oh no, sorry, no, sorry. My handling currently because I have six fuel is plus two, so that plus, drops down. Yeah, so twenty two, twenty. So that actually is a fourteen plus four, which is an eighteen. An eighteen. Okay, cool. So that's still a perfect success. So choose three. Uh, take one less hit. Take an additional one less hit. So if that's just a regular machine gun, you're going to dodge it entirely. Uh, take one less damage per hit. Leave your attacker wide open for attacks by turrets. You haven't got any of those, so that doesn't count. Or protect yourself from further attack. Uh, I'm going to... I pick three. Yep. Uh, I'm absolutely going to dodge both hits and protect myself from further attacks. Yeah, so you you and the other pilot just you know, soar right clear, and you are going to climb. So how far do you want to climb? This is where things get crazy. Remember that huge, ridiculous chart I gave you? Yes, I am looking at it right now. Okay. So your speed is currently seven mm -hmm. and your rise is currently three. So we cross reference there. So I'm at, I'm at rise one or I'm at, I'm at climb one, right? Uh, or... you're, uh, you're actually at climb two, rise three, speed seven. Oh, rise three. Oh yeah. I see. I, I rise zero is an option. Got it. Yeah. So, rise um, two. so that means that you can climb up to two altitude bands, about 200 meters, uh, Spending one speed for each, making it cheaper, and then after that you have to spend way more speed. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna climb like a climb one, just enough to kind of like get to get around them. Cool. Because I'm gonna be then. I'm gonna then be dropping back down behind them. All right. So I I will adjust your altimeter and airspeed indicator. All right. And 
it is time now to what's the next thing you do. You are over them. They pass under you. You're banking into a turn. So you've already got the momentum going. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to try and pull off a 180 to be faced to be going the same direction as them. Cool. And get behind them. Yeah, yeah. The goal is to, to drop down, drop down, turn, get behind them so that I can open fire. Cool. How close do you want to get to them? Close enough for uh, machine gun fire. Cool. So um, the way that this works is this is the generic move in this game for air combat. This is a gain advantage. So gain advantage covers any time you want to do this kind of thing. And the greatest part about it is you get to pick which stat you use. So... This doesn't sound like a particularly daring move. You're just continuing your turn. So hard would be good. You're going in for the attack. You've really, yeah. you know, you, you've got this good. I'm so, on the hunt. So I'm going to exactly. go hard. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to, the other thing to cover is that you can spend speed to do better on moves. Okay. You can spend one speed to get a plus one before you roll or two speed to get a plus one after you roll. And my speed is currently at six. Yes. So uh, I'm going to really quick. Your stall speed is listed uh, on the dashboard there uh, because you have a rise of three. You stall out at three. Okay. So I, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to spend any speed right now because I, I, I want to conserve that. And I am going to uh, roll 2d10 plus two plus yep. one dice for my formation partner. Drop below uh, yes. us tell you if it's oh, a one. Uh, you can also gain one speed here because you're diving back in on them. All right, perfect. So, so that is seven. So then, I will, then I will spend one speed to up by one. Keep the same cool. speed that I'm at. Excellent. So that's uh, plus three. I'm rolling three dice, dropping the lowest, telling you if it's a one. That is a four, nine, and that is a four, nine, and two. So that is a thirteen plus three, which is a sixteen. Per that is a another perfect roll. At least you're rolling well when you need to. <laughs> I, I I'm not great at a lot of things, but I'm good in the air. <laughs> So this is this is a 16 plus is you have the enemy exactly where you want them. You just tell me what your new circumstances is, which is it sounds like you get behind their formation right in machine uh, gun range, right? Uh, close range specifically. Um, I'm going for I think I realized that I've got them in the range of my precision rifle. OK, and I, I think I'm going to get ready to to pop them. All right, cool. So now do you want to blast these fools? I do indeed. All right, so that is open fire. So when you pull the trigger of a weapon, you consume one ammo and roll plus hard. If you hold the trigger down, uh, you can spend an additional ammo and do more damage. Uh, I'm going to not hold the trigger down. I'm just going to open fire. Okay. And I'm going to specifically... Uh, uh, I'm going to specifically use my bullseye. Oh, you want just the perfect shot? Just pop them. Yep, cool. Because uh, I this is the first time I'm using my ant's precision rifle, so okay. yeah, it's just like a clean. I it's it is just just legally distinct from Luke Skywalker, right? Like I breathe and I, yeah. I I'm pointing the rifle and I hear her voice. I hear her being like, "It's all in the wrist, you know. You just when you it's it's all in the breath. You breathe in." This is literally an infantry rifle that's been mounted to your plane, so you actually have to take one hand off the flight stick and put it around the trigger, and you fire. So you automatically score a perfect success on this with your bullseye move. 
So what you're going to do is you're going to pick one of the effects from the list below. Inflict one hit, one additional hit, and inflict an additional damage per hit. Uh, shift the hit locations one, like, up or down by three towards something you want to hit. So be like, I want to hit the pilot, and you have more a better chance of hitting the pilot. Force the enemy to swerve, spin, or lose altitude. And the last one you don't got to worry about because I haven't got turrets. Uh, I'm going to uh, force the enemy to lose altitude. We're trying to figure out what the problem is. Okay, cool. So we probably want to be able to, like, like get them to tell us what the problem is. Yeah, so roll uh, 1d20. All right. That is a 17. A 17. So a 17 on a, uh, against a foe like this... Uh, considering the configuration of their airplane, actually, I think you just uh, blew off one of uh, one of those planes' rudders. All right. So yeah, you 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 squeeze the trigger, and this the the gun sort of jerks back, and the whole plane shudders as a result. And the the rudder, the thing that controls where you turn on the airplane on their airplane, flaps off like a useless you know piece of paper blowing in the wind. Uh, and that plane starts sort of swerving a little bit in the sky. Um, so your 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 the the your formation mate also, you know, starts shooting, but pretty much just stitches bullets past the um, the the three planes as they start breaking off. One plane goes takes a left turn, and two planes take a right turn, uh, and split off. The plane that's going on its own is heading for. Um, the other pilot who is, you know, like uh, one altitude above you and trying to get away, like basically running the moment contact happened. I pointed him with a thumb. I pointed the pilot, like trying to run with a thumb. And I, uh, I just give it like, I'm trying to think what's the, what's the most, I give it like this really dis, like I, I pointed with my thumb and I give this like, floppy, like, shitty salute that is the ultimate symbol of, like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So, uh, <laughs> that is a great bit of shade, but what do you do as a pilot? Uh, as a pilot, uh, we are going to both pursue the other two planes. Excellent. Which, which where did the plane that is damaged? Was that the one that went left or, or right? Uh, that one went, uh, that one went left with the other two. Or right okay. with the other two. Then, yeah, right, we're gonna hang. We're gonna hang right and keep trying to just take take them out. Like take the the main thrust of them out. Cool. So um, let's let's see if you can. So you're just gonna try to hold on behind them. Yeah. Uh, let's let's gain the advantage again. Let's keep behind them. All right. Four, five. Uh, that is a nine. That is an eleven. Uh, that is a. Does that count handling? Yes. That is an 11, 12, 13, but the one, but the one that I dropped for formation was a one. Okay. So, um, oh, delightful. Uh, okay. So you, you follow them into a broad turn. They, they turn about 180 degrees and you're on them the whole time trying to get a bead on them to shoot. And as you turn back around, uh, you see something in the corner of your vision streaking down from a dive, a fourth aircraft. Uh, and it strafes the plane beside you. Uh, and I'm going to roll some dice. The GM doesn't have to roll dice, but is inc uh, encouraged to sometimes to randomly generate results for funsies. I love random tables. 
Come on. Okay, it's not help working. Could you roll me a 2d20? 2d20. Yeah. Uh, that is a 1 and a 20, so 21. Okay, well, it's a 1 and a 20, which means it hits, like, every vital thing on this aircraft. Oh, yep, yep, yeah. that's not great. So, that's not great for, it's not great for my buddy. Yeah, so it, it shoots the, the, the elevators off the, the that plane and puts a whole bunch of holes through the engine. And the plane immediately starts trailing black smoke and struggling to keep up with you. Um, as the this other plane streaks by at, like, you know... 200 miles an hour, or 200 kilometers an hour. Oh my god, it's so fast. It's the fastest thing you've ever seen. Um, <sighs> and, uh, but you're, you stay on the on target. So you can, you can break now to try to deal with that. You can, you can try to cover your buddy. You can keep shooting at these people you're chasing. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to... We know what the problem is. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep opening fire on the ones that aren't damaged. Try to make sure that I try to leave everyone damaged enough that we that like I can get away and get back. Because like if we we know what we see what the problem is, they're shooting planes out of the sky. We were told to figure it out and get back. Cool. So um, roll me uh, open fire again. Do you want to hold the trigger down? Do you gonna use the machine gun? Uh, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna. I'm going to stick with the rifle. Okay. Because uh, I'm at close range, which gives me a plus two to attack. Um, so I'm going to stick with the rifle. I'm, I am going to hold the trigger down and use my, use two more. Use, uh, oh, you can't do that ammo. on your, um, your oh, precision rifle. Then, yeah, I'm just going yeah. to stick with the rifle, but take that plus two attack. Cool. So roll so that's that. So a plus, plus four. Yeah. So this is like a big bolt action rifle. So you have to reload it manually between shots. So you're like, you know, you pop the bolt open, you put another shell in. From a little like pouch you have in the side uh, of the cockpit, and that is a thirteen. That is a partial success. So you just hit it. So roll one d twenty to see what you hit. That is a thirteen. Okay, wow, that's pretty good. So actually, yeah, you um, you 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 tap this thing in where the pilot would be, um, and it immediately like twists from the sky and starts flipping by you, and as it passes by you spiraling towards the ground you see that there isn't a pilot in the pilot seat there doesn't actually seem to be a cockpit at all it's just a smooth area there uh in this in this copper bronze looking aircraft that impacts with the ground and it doesn't it doesn't explode into sparks or fire or smoke it just smashes apart like somebody broke a fine watch with a hammer okay that's not great do uh uh (laughs) I am going to um, immediately switch over to the machine gun, hold down the trigger, and try to pop try to pop one of the other one, like one of the adjacent ones, out of the sky. So the other one in the formation, the one you yes. damaged before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah, roll that again. You're All you're right. still on these guys, no problem. All right, and that is going to be a plus two. Uh, remember, you can spend speed beforehand or afterwards. Uh, that is a twelve. That is a fourteen. Cool, yeah, another partial success, so roll 1d20. Another 13. Okay. Um, that's alright. So yeah, you 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 rake fire across the 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 cockpit-like area, and this plane starts listing slowly, uh, and starts very like pirouetting in the sky slowly as the torque of the engine takes over. Uh, and it, eventually it it flips over upside down and starts diving towards the ground. 
So uh, you glance over at your formation mate, who is not doing terribly well. Uh, the Their elevator is hanging on by a thread. There's smoke pouring out of the engine. And uh, you, uh, you know, can't see anything else. You can't see the person who ran. You can't see the plane that chased them. You can't see the plane that scraped you. What do you do? <sighs> if I can't... If I can't... Hmm. I... Heroes don't run. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta... But what can I do? I can't... Oh, this is... I hate, I hate this. I hate this. I hate, <laughs> I hate this. I can't save, I can't save him. I can't, there's nothing I can do in this tiny little plane that's gonna help me, like... If he's fallen out of the sky, he's fallen out of the sky. Well... You don't know where he is. Like, you literally have no idea where anything is. That's something in Flying Circus. If you're not paying attention to it, it disappears and you have to find it again. All right. Um, I'm going to try and find... I'm going to try and figure out how to turn around and get back. All right, cool. So you're just, just going to turn and go? You're not going to look for it? Yeah. Uh, cool. It's, it's my best option. I, it's the only option that I feel like I got. You know, we know what the problem is. Which is what we were told to do was just figure it out and not die. Uh, we've got the first one down. I really need to. I really need to work on the second. Uh, yeah. So you've got two kills. You decide that's enough. Let's head home. We've already got a damaged plane and somebody missing. So mm-hmm. you start booking it out um, as fast as you can go. Uh, actually, if you want to go as fast as you can go, you're a little bit under your speed right now. So you can actually accelerate a little faster if you want. Uh, you can love you can run your engine hot to go faster than you normally do. I would love to do that. Okay, cool. So how much faster do you want to go than normal? If you accelerate, you'll just go back up to speed seven. But you can basically roll one more dice on your unreliability to go faster and faster and faster. I think just seven. I think I'm gonna. I think I don't think. I I I love this. I love this. I love the dancer in the sky. I know its limits. Cool. Say so, uh, you 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 pull the throttle forward. You you open it up all the way, and it roars across the sky as fast as it will go. The little the other little plane struggles to keep up, but does all right. Being a little monoplane, it hasn't got a lot of drag. And as you're pulling away, you start hearing another sound under the engine sound a a sort of whirling that doesn't make a lot of sense to you. It's not something you've ever heard before. Actually, no, it's, it sounds a little familiar. It sounds like the sound that the bartender's arms made when she moved around. That clockwork ticking. And you look behind you and see that not far from you at all is the metal propeller of this brass plane that has crept up on you, making almost no noise whatsoever as you're trying to escape. What do you do? Uh, I am going to, uh, it worked for us once. I'm going to bank up and try to pull behind it. Cool. Yeah. So roll evade. All right. Oh, we forgot to roll if your engine blows up. That's okay. Uh, what am I rolling for evade? That is plus keen. Plus keen. uh, Include your handling. All right. So that's going to be a plus four. 10, 16, 20. Uh, 20. All right. Yeah, no, that's a perfect evasion. Uh, oh, roll one more for the, um, the, your other, your friend as well. 
20, uh, 21. So they rolled one? No, they rolled a seven. But okay. uh, that meant that the other one, oh. I rolled a ten and I rolled a ten and a, I rolled ten, six, and seven. So the six drops out, so it only bumps it up by one. But cool. twenty-one. Yeah, uh, awesome. So yeah, you di- you dive out of the way, um, uh, or yeah, you you climb out of the way. So how far do you want to climb? You wanna you wanna go all the way up, or yeah, yeah, just like really get altitude here. Yeah, get enough, especially if especially if it's right behind me, I need to get some I need to get some height before I try to like dive back around. All right, so when you climb past your your climb value, which again is 2 right now. I think we're going to go for 2. I think we're going to stick just with just going to climb okay. 2, yeah. Cuz if you go beyond that, you start working your engine and it uh becomes an issue. Uh you went back down to 8, so now you're back. Now you're up to 10. Or ten altitude. Um, normally, we would worry about ascension at this point, but who cares? Uh, so yeah, you you hit ten altitude, and uh, you you bank away easily, and the plane starts climbing up to chase you. You're you're ba- you're climbing up as fast as you can, and this plane rolls around like into a, a half loop and starts climbing up after you, just as fast as it can. It can't sustain a climb like that. But it is coming after you. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to try and, uh, same as before, drop down behind it, get in position for those machine guns, and hold down that trigger like, hold that trigger like it's a baby. So you're going to loop up and over it and back around behind it? That sounds like a daring move. You know it is. (laughs) All right, so roll. This is going to be what's called pushing the limit. You can do this with any of your air moves. It lets you swap daring for your regular move. Uh, but if you only get a partial success, you basically, like, something goes wrong with your airplane. You right. push it too far, you slip out of the sky, you miss something, you snap a cable, that kind of thing. Uh, am I rolling a third dice for my squad mate? Yes. All right, so that is a 9, 7, and a 6. So that is 9 and 7 is 16, so that is an 18. Cool. Uh, so you're 18, you're, that's a perfect go. Um, I think I might have to adjust the formation rules. We're learning. Uh, yeah, it's a play test. to a game and testing. Exactly. So yeah, you 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 do a perfect little loop around this this airplane, and you, using the the speed you build up coming back around, you drop in behind it while it's still stalling out in you know mid go. So it is it skids across the sky and starts slowly twisting towards the ground, and it's at the apex of its climb. When you come back around, level on it, the gun's perfectly lined up against its side profile. What do you do? Uh, squeeze that trigger like I'm going to snap it right off. So you're going to hold down the trigger for this one and fire your machine gun like crazy? Yeah. Hell yes. You took a lot of ammo, so you might as well use it. Might as well use it. Especially because this thing scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh... Pull, hold down the trigger and have your formation mate fires as well. All right. That is a five, a nine, and for my formation mate is a six, so that is a 14 plus six. That is a 16. That is a six. God dang. All right. Uh, you See, I've been used to people who build really fat airplanes um, and their handling bonus is really low, and you built this, like, dogfighting death machine. It's amazing. 
So uh, I, you, knew, I knew I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah, you you obliterate this thing pretty much. So roll the, the way that this works is uh, you pick your your choose one, but you get mm-hmm. to choose two because you put more ammo into it. So, so inflict plus one hit, inflict plus one damage per hit, shift locations to hit something vital, or force the enemy to swerve. Uh, I am going to force the enemy to swerve and um, adjust to hit something vital. What do you want to hit? Uh, the engine. Cool. Take it out so, of the sky. Roll t- uh, 2d20. All right. That is a 19 and a 17. All right. So, yeah, you're not hitting the engine. You, That's you, fine. You pepper most of the shots towards the middle of it, but you do get to move the 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 hits down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what was it? A 17 and a... And a 19. Uh, so, what, what you end up hitting is you don't hit the... Um, the pilot, but you hit where the fuel tank usually is on these kind of planes, and the right. plane blows up. Like, it doesn't uh, blow up uh. in fi- a fireball. It just, like, springs apart at a million miles an hour. Um, and bits of it go everywhere, and there's this horrible sound of rending metal that drowns out the sound of the engine for a moment, as little bits just fly everywhere, and you fly through it listening to it patter off the canvas of your, or the wood, actually, of your airplane. In the moment before we fly through it, I put one finger to my forehead and then just point forward, gesturing, do you fucking believe that? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, the the other pilot just does, like, the classic shrug, like, fuck if I know. <laughs> so, uh, you you speed on through the the, the rem- remnants of this 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 plane as it comes apart in the air and you see like the bits that are falling past you and around you are not pieces you associate with airplanes. They're like big brass springs and gears and levers. Um, and you, you zoom off uh, into the, the, uh, the great unknown and back home. So uh, I'm going to spend one fuel for you. And, Oh, you're, and I want you to roll to get home. This is going to be your last roll before you land. Hopefully. Alright, what am I rolling? This is uh, a calm roll. Alright, so not my best. Uh, Not my best, so that's going to be a minus one. Am I adding handling this or no? Nope. This is an intellectual exercise. Uh, That is a nine. An eight total. Eight total. Alright, so yeah, you... So what I'm going to say happens is that uh, you you look around inside your cockpit for the map and realize that it's probably blew out at some point during the the dogfight. So you you start setting your plane back home as best you can remember. Uh, you start trying to follow the river. You get confused as to what river it is. And you arrive home with fumes left. And the your co-pi- the your your formation mate engine starts cutting as you approach the the airfield and they land hard you land just fine but they they land and the 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 wheels dig into the ground and they nose they go nose first into the dirt um so you climb out of your plane and you see like you know the 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 airfield workers and other pilots running over to help her the other plane is nowhere to be found on the airfield uh what do you do Oh, I. I... Oh, go ahead. 
uh, yeah, the first I just remembered, it's time for you to take stress. Yes. Because you just, you finished a flight. So, let's see. Uh, did you get hit by enemy fire? Uh, I, did I? I don't think you did. No, I did not. Did you take a life? Uh, I believe, I don't. You don't don't know. Not sure. Yeah, so we won't count that one. Was a comrade wounded? Yeah, actually, they were. Was a comrade lost? Yes. All right. Uh, Any other member of the squadron? That doesn't count for here. Uh, You weren't shot down. You didn't lose an engine. Your plane didn't catch fire. You didn't... Oh, you did run out of fuel. Uh, But you didn't lose a control service. So that's three stress. Three stress. So you're going to want to drink that off before your next mission, basically. Yep. And uh, I think that as you're sort of staring at the the group of people trying to get the other pilot out and before the plane is completely engulfed in flames, um, you're, you're sort of, you know, watching all this chaos happen as the sun goes down in the distance and, you know, the, this commotion, a little, um, like, wagon, firefighting wagon rolls out and uh, a hand is clamped on your shoulder and, you know, you react as you would. I kind of like st- I, I kind of like jump with a shock because like for a brief second like in in my head I hear that ticking and I'm like ah oh, oh, uh, oh uh, so behind you is uh, Wendell you know enormous man huge hands and he uh he he you know sort of chuckles at you a little bit and he's like so I take it things uh went exactly to plan uh yeah it was uh. Exactly as ill-advised as you gave it, as you suggested in the uh, business pitch, but did I not say I was exactly the gullible sap you needed? That you did. So do you have any idea what it is? <sighs> we, uh, I know what it, I, we got some solid intel on it. Couldn't tell you, d- uh, damned if I can understand the intel that I got, but I got some intel. We are looking at autonomous... Self-flying, clockwork, robo-planes. And he just looks at you, and he goes, Again? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. Well, I still have work for you if you need it. Uh, I'm still still a gullible sap if you need it. Alright, cool. That is a perfect end, I think. Uh, the last thing that we see is a farm out in the small, uh, the small farming town of Wolkfield. Um, a plane lands, you know, loaded with, like, whatever strange exports come from Osberg, and a letter is handed to a young man. Uh, you know, another farmer, maybe a pig farmer, something to that nature, kind of look, reads the letter, and it just says, Dear Carl... I'm taken to the air tomorrow. A genuine, honest-to-goodness mission. You'll get another letter in a couple days, provided I make it back, but uh, there's no guarantee, as I think we both know. But I wish you could be there. I wish you could see it, the planes and the, the excitement as we're all about to take to the skies. I wish you could see it, but I know that this life wasn't the one you wanted, and... I understand that, but I want you to know that I'm still, I'm still reaching for it. 
And I miss you. And I still love you. Signed, Oscar. Oh, that... Carl, like, looks to the horizon and is just like, I'll wait for the next letter. Uh, I feel really that we need to do another of these, like, soon, because there's a second, there's a sequel hook here that is so strong. (laughs) I feel real, I feel real good about it. Oh my god. Erica, thank you for coming on the show again. This was a blast. Yeah, this was super fun. I'm, 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 I'm glad that this didn't blow up too badly. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I, I really love I really love young young Oscar. He makes me very happy. Yes. All right. Excellent. So uh, so uh, real quick before I wrap up, where can people find your work and where can people find the Kickstarter for Flying Circus? Uh, so they'll be able to find the Kickstarter for Flying Circus at kickstarter.com.org.gov. <laughs> dot business. Dot, dot, dot business. Uh, kickstarter, Kickstarter.horse, I believe, specifically. Kickstarter.kickstarter. Yep. Um, and uh, you can find my work at uh, Patreon at OpenSketch, uh, open underscore sketch, or you can find me on Twitter at, at OpenSketchBook. There's links to my DriveThruRPG page where you can buy my other games. And um, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this system mostly hold together. It, it held together very well. I'm very excited about it. I cannot wait to back this game on Kickstarter. Excellent. All right. So, cool. Thank you for coming on the show, uh, and I'm going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future, me. Thanks, Fast Me. And thanks again to Erica for coming on to the show. I cannot... That game was so good, and I cannot wait for it to hit Kickstarter. I want this game so badly. Oh, it's so good. Okay. All right. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about Flying Circus and for the Kickstarter link when it drops, as well as more information about Erica's other games. It is a well-documented fact that I'm a big fan of Erica's work because these games are always fantastic. Also, be sure to follow Erica on Twitter at OpenSketchBook. Then while you're on Twitter, follow the show at Party of One Pod, then slide over to Facebook and like the show at Facebook.com slash PartyOfOnePodcast. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a nice iTunes review, a social media shout-out, or a word-of-mouth recommendation. Any one of those things helps new people find the show, which helps us do bigger, better, and cooler things. You can also consider backing our Patreon at patreon.com slash partyofonepodcast. Patreon backers get access to bonus material, podcasts, and interviews. And Patreon dollars help pay for equipment fees, hosting costs, and convention appearances. You know, all of the little things that keep the show going. If you'd like to hear more from me, check out All My Fantasy Children, the character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by your listener props. Hosted by me and Aaron catano Saez. You can find that at allmyfantasychildren.com. Party of One is produced and edited by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for this show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Megaran featuring the D&D Sluggers. If you'd like to inquire about coming onto the show, whether you're a podcaster, game designer, professional wrestler, or lover of two-player role-playing games, or you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, you can reach me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. Well, that's it for me. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance. And as always, party on, everybody.